For those of you watching at home for the first time and you're not quite used to our order of service here, whenever we pause and pray together, please feel free to do that at home. Whenever we stand to worship, feel free to sing along with the the words on your screen. And whenever we open up Scripture together, it would be a good idea if you had it open on your lap at home as well, simply because we are convinced that as we come and study Scripture Sunday by Sunday, we're always asking two questions. Number one, what does this passage say? And number two, how does it speak into my life this week? And so, on Sunday morning, we tend to see our time together not simply as time together, but more importantly, time spent in the presence of Almighty God as He resources and equips us for the week ahead and as we grow and develop in our faith. So, this morning, our Scripture reading, Matthew chapter 6 at verse 9. And Matthew writes these words, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from His Holy Spirit, from His Holy Word. As we come to this passage, it is arguably the most repeated prayer in all of history. And I think we could also argue it is, therefore, the best known prayer in all of history. Formerly known as the Lord's Prayer, we often refer to it as the Our Father. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, and we started Matthew's Gospel back in early December, and Sunday by Sunday, we'll work our way through till Easter Sunday. And we don't often spend four months in a section of Scripture. But about every two and a half, three and a half years, we spend intentionally a protracted period in one of the Gospels, and this year it is Matthew. And as we come to this prayer, we realize fairly quickly that it focuses on the intimacy and centrality of prayer in the life of an individual who's seeking to grow and develop in their faith. Now, having said that, over these last weeks together, I've been suggesting that a helpful analogy when it comes to exploring and discovering all that God has for us in Matthew's gospel, I've suggested that a helpful analogy is building a jigsaw puzzle. Of course, you separate the pieces out and gradually you put the corners in places, create a framework. And today as we come to chapter 6, we are doing exactly what we've seen in recent weeks. We're looking for similar themes and colors and motifs and shapes so we can put them together and watch and learn as a picture begins to emerge. And that's exactly where we're going this morning. And as we do that, one of the things that I have been struck with is that for most of us, we know the Lord's Prayer so well. And we're going to encounter this several times in Matthew's Gospel. We come to a passage that we are very familiar with. But please don't see that as a problem or a difficulty. 
when it comes to well-known passages, and especially the Lord's Prayer, it's a little like lifting up a small but incredibly valuable antique and holding it up and twisting it one way and then another, turning it around this side, looking at it from the bottom up, the top down, holding it in a stronger light. And the more often you do that with an antique, it's so similar to coming to God's Word. Suddenly, you realize its richness and its value and its significance, and you move to a whole new level of appreciation and understanding, and I trust that will be your experience this morning as we look at the Lord's Prayer. And as we come to this well-known passage, let me remind you that Luke also recorded the Lord's Prayer. And in Luke's gospel, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And my question is this, why would the disciples ask this? If you had a request to make of Jesus, what would that request be? Lord, make me a better parent. Lord, teach me wisdom, discernment in my place of work, in my neighborhood, as I interact with my family. Father, teach me how to be selfless. Teach me how to be sensitive, especially around those I love. Lord, teach me, and then fill in the blank for yourself. Teach me to control my temper. Teach me to control my thought process. What would you ask? And the question then becomes of all of the questions, the disciples who by this stage in Matthew's gospel have spent several months with him, have watched his personality. They have learned a little about his character. They have watched him teach and the impact of his teaching on hundreds and thousands. He's watched individuals and families transformed by his love. They've watched miracle after miracle. And they come and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. In other words, they have realized that the time he spends with his father has an influence on his life. And now they're saying, we want to be like him. Teach us how to pray. And it's clearly a how-to question. And as you come to it and begin to wrestle through why the first piece of the jigsaw puzzle goes in place. Teach us how to pray. And typically on Sunday morning, when we come to a passage of Scripture, we're always asking, what is the historical context? And the historical context for Matthew 6 verse 9 begins back at verse 5. When Jesus talks about prayer, and this is what He says, He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners so they can be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. 
But when you pray, go into your room and pray to your Father who sees what is done in secret, and then He will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of many words. Do not be like them, for your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask it. He's asked, Lord, teach us to pray, and He begins by saying, let me teach you how not to pray. Ever do that with your children or your grandchildren? You're wanting to teach them something, and you say to them, well, this is not how you do it. And that's exactly what Jesus does. And the word hypocrite used there in ancient antiquity in the Near East was used of actors in the theater. And in essence, hypocrite meant actor, someone who is performing, someone who has learned lines, someone who is simply repeating line after line after line because they have memorized those lines. It is, in essence, a performance. And Jesus says there's a world of a difference between a performance, an empty, shallow, vacuous, line after line, word after word, saying it by rote, and genuine, credible, authentic, heartfelt prayer. He says, don't be like that. Prayer is not a performance. It's not about set words at a set time. It's about a relationship. And that's why he begins, our Father. He doesn't begin our King, although true, our friend, our Creator. He begins our Father. It's about a relationship. I'm sure I've told you this before, and if it's too repetitive or redundant, please forgive me. If you visit New York City or Washington, D.C., and you are standing on the street corner dressed in a casual fashion with comfortable shoes, and you have a map, and people are going by you, they're immediately going to think a tourist. And it's entirely appropriate to stop someone and say, excuse me, I'm trying to get to the Library of Congress. And they say, sure. If you head up past the Capitol building, you turn right, you're going to see Supreme Court on the left, and you'll see the Library of Congress on the right. It's a great visit. You'll love it. can be busy, so watch your time, and you need to get a ticket as you go through the door. Thank you, and off you go. But if you're standing there dressed the same with a map in your hand and say, excuse me, and they stop and say, how can I help? And you say, actually, my phone died on me this morning. Can I borrow yours? They are not going to be just as eager to help. But if your son or daughter or husband or wife, before you leave the house in the morning to go to work, come to you and say, ah, oh, my phone has just died. I need it today. I've got several deadlines on and several meetings, and people won't be able to get me. I know you're in the office every day, and I know you use your phone, but can I borrow yours just for the day, please? The chances are you're going to say, if you must, and let them borrow your phone. 
Why? What's the difference? You have a relationship with them. Prayer is predicated on relationship. Your connection with Amazon is a business contract. It's about performance. It's provision of goods and services. You can phone up Amazon all day long and say, I've been with you for nine years. I really love you. You're my best friend. And they will say, do you have Prime? No, you wait 14 days. <laughs> A business relationship is very different from a deep, abiding, personal relationship. Any child adopted into a family, especially if they're very young, will not fully understand what's happening. But from the moment you lift them up, from the moment you express love to them, the moment you adopt them into your family, there's a relationship of love. They're not in the family because of performance. They're not in the family because you've had a contract with them. They are there quite simply because you love them. Our Father, that's what's going on here. Not because of set words set by rote from memory, but because there is a deep abiding relationship right there. That's what's going on here. The Apostle John, when he was an older man, probably late 80s, early 90s, he was living in the ancient city of Ephesus. He, by this time, had probably, New Testament scholars tell us, had completed his gospel. It was beginning to circulate. And he writes what's called the Johannine epistles, John 1, 2, and 3. You'll find them tucked away at the end of the New Testament, just before Revelation. And as an older man, reflecting back on his years of a relationship with Christ, Remembering he was a disciple, he was there at the Last Supper, he was there on Easter Sunday morning, and now in his early 90s, he writes these words, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, please slow down and look at it again. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Two weeks ago, I was going through the corridors of the church on a Sunday morning, and there were so many mums and dads and grandparents at the children's ministry section trying to register their kids and get them through. I thought, here is an opportunity for a little mischief and you will be surprised that I would be involved in a little mischief at any time. And I'm standing there watching all this happen, and I say, excuse me, can I have your attention just for a second? And I never do this. None of our pastors do this. So, immediately the heads came up, and parents and grandparents were paying attention. I said, excuse me, we've just moved into 2024. This is the second Sunday of the new year. We have a new policy in place I want to remind you of. And it's fairly straightforward, and we would appreciate your cooperation. If you have any questions, please speak to our children's ministry, and they will explain it 
uh, in much fuller detail. Our new policy is this. When you leave later this morning, you have to take home the children you brought. <laughs> and of course, there was a ripple of laughter, and people knew I was being mischievous and all of that. Now, it would never cross their mind for a second to take home another child. Never for a second. Why? Because as parents, they lavish love on their children, not on the basis of whether the children are good or not, not on the basis of performance or business contract, but simply because they love them. They are their children, the apple of their eye. This is what's going on here. And when John writes, see what love the, f the Father has lavished on us, that's not what he writes. He writes, see what great love. Now, why am I emphasizing that? Simply this, because what he's writing to John is simply beyond comprehension. He's incredulous when he's writing this. It is unprecedented. It is extraordinary. It is substantial. It is miraculous. And I imagine John writing and shaking his head in profound wonder that God would love him at that sort of level. I have had over the course of my adult life multiple surprises, but two of them stand out. And the first is this, that this year Ruth and I will celebrate 42 or 43 years of married life. And I still shake my head in utter wonder that Ruth and Michael would continue to love me even though they know everything about me. And yet they insist on it, and I cannot understand it. And they will also tell you this, that above that kind of love, a different, more comprehensive love, if I can even describe it in that manner, is the love of Christ. And likewise, I shake my head in wonder and incredulity, and I think to myself, how could He possibly do this? And the passage is clear. He lavishes His love on us. I often think that when I come to Him in prayer, He's responding in heaven and going, here He comes again. It's the same old, same old, same old. When will He grow up? When will He stop this? When will He show some measure of self-discipline? But that's not what the passage says. Do I frustrate Him? Yes. Do I betray Him? Yes. Do I sin way more often than I would want to? And yet, He continues to lavish His love, not simply on me, but on you too. Why? Because He is our heavenly Father. And another piece of the jigsaw puzzle falls into place. And He continues, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When was the last time you came across that word, hallowed? Did you see it on Netflix this past week? Amazon Prime, Hulu, YouTube, Snapchat, Facebook, TikTok. Hallowed, holy, is a word entirely out of tune 
in terms of the contemporary lexicon. We never hear it. We almost never see it in print. Why? Because holiness is so far beyond the common experience. It is the character and nature of God Himself. That's why in Isaiah chapter 6 we read, not once but three times, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy in nature, holy in character, holy in personality, holy in action, holy in every motivation. He who is transcendent in majesty and character and nature, and yet is imminent and knowable in love. And that's why we have our Father, Father. Not, as I said moments earlier, creator, which is true, king, which is true, friend, which is absolute, but our Father who wraps His arms around us, and it moves us to what? Adoration and praise and worship. Why does it move us in such a way? Because worship is not so much an activity for us. It is for us a central part of our identity, and we cannot thank Him enough. That's what's going on here. Hallowed is sacred. It's precious. So, here's my challenge this week. With all of the busyness, all of the activity, all of the frustration that lie before us, and we've been saying this over recent Sundays, carve out time for prayer. Intentionally, begin again. Let His love wash over you. Let it refresh you and renew it. Build in new patterns of prayer. That's what we're being called to, because when we're there, we refocus on our relationship with Christ. When we're there, we reassess our love for Him, and then we realign our will and purpose to His call on our lives. And in those sacred moments of prayer, when He wraps His arms around us, what is taking place? He unclutters the soul he retunes our deepest affections. He recalibrates our inner joys. And we hear in the back of our mind, as more pieces of the jigsaw puzzle fall into place, and we are reminded why they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this passage of Scripture this morning. Thank You that in prayer we are able to reassess our relationship with You. We are able to refocus our hearts and minds and souls heavenwards. We are able to realign our lives with Your priorities. Help us, please, this week to wholeheartedly with a single focus, spend time with you. 
Oh, Father, bless us, please. Enable us to submit and surrender to you once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.